Amen. Thank you very much. We'll be praying for those who are sick. We have some whole families that are out sick today. I know even my wife is out sick and it's been going around here the last couple of weeks. Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1, we'll be looking at a few verses here this morning, starting there in verse number 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins." Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel Lord bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Let's go ahead and pray. Father in heaven, Lord, I ask your blessing upon the service this morning. Lord, I pray that you'd be glorified and honored in all that is said and done. Help me to stay true to your word. Father, I pray that, I pray that it would be clear and concise and that your spirit would work with this truth to be a help to us, to draw us closer to you. Lord, I pray if there's anyone here who has never truly been converted, Lord, I pray for that conviction this morning, that drawing. Lord, I pray that, that the gospel portion would be so clear in their hearts that even today they repent and put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So, Lord, I pray you be glorified and honored. Lord, I pray and ask all this in Christ's name. Amen. This morning, I want us to think about Joseph and Mary when this announcement hit of what is going to take place. We have a very young Jewish couple about to be married. When it came to the Jewish wedding, there were two stages to their weddings. The first is the betrothal. The second is the wedding itself. The wedding itself is about a, it's a seven-day event. The betrothal would be anywhere from 6 to 12 months in time frame, the engagement time frame. However, in Jewish culture, Jewish law, the betrothal was binding. There was a legal binding to it. Even though the marriage was not to be consummated, they could not come together physically until the wedding. But it was still physically binding to the point that you would actually need that of a divorcement to end that engagement. Uh, we certainly don't go that as far, but it was a time in our culture not too long ago, just with, within decades, that, that although it never took an act of law for divorcement in an engagement, nonetheless it was very serious. The couple was practically looked upon as married. Um, that woman was taken, that man was taken, there was a marriage coming, the preparations are being made for it, 
And that was the sense of an engagement. So we, too, even in our own culture, know what it's like when you're engaged and, and there's a sense of finality to it. This is it. This is what we're preparing for. Well, this is the stage in life they are at. They're in, they're in the betrothal time, engaged to be married. The seven-day time frame of the wedding and the festival and all that takes place is coming up. No doubt they're happy. Um, this, is, this is a couple that is serving the Lord. Both of them love God. Both of them desiring to do what's right. They have their whole life ahead of them. And here in a second, I'm going to cover the aspect of Joseph's age. The, uh, I have a Catholic background. They like to teach us that he was an elderly man at this time. We're going to see that simply is not true at all. There's no truth to it. So they're excited about their future. They're excited of what the Lord has for them. They have kept the relationship right and pure before God and man. And, I mean, you know what it's like when you've been in that stage and you're getting ready to get married and, and the engagement's there. You, you, you have your whole life ahead of you. Things just seem to be good. Things are going great. Joseph, if not already, will be starting his own carpentry shop in Nazareth. They're anxious. They have the anticipation of this great life together. You can think about it. Both of them always thinking about each other at every moment. A typical engaged couple. How God designed it. The, the leaving and the cleaving is getting ready to take place. They're excited for what the future holds, as they should be. I mean, the Bible says, Whoso findeth a wife, findeth a good thing. The real wedding is drawing close. The plans are being made. You can hear Mary with sisters and aunts and mom all making plans and arrangements for the festival and all that's going to take place. But then, in a moment, everything changes. Everything changes. There is a serious disruption to their plans. An angel appears to Mary first and changes the plan. Think of Mary when she gets this news. We see the sequence, the timing, the chronological events of how this took place. The angel first goes to Mary to let her know that she is going to be with child of God, of the Holy Ghost. That this is it. This is the time of the Messiah, what has been promised in the Scripture since the fall of man, going all the way back to Genesis chapter 3, with more and more information given as this progressive revelation of what is to take place was taking place. That it would be from the tribe of Judah, out of Bethlehem, all of it matching. And they get word, but she has to go and tell Joseph, I'm with child. She knew it would be a stabbing pain to Joseph. It would hurt. So you can just imagine the day. I don't know how it went. Perhaps Joseph coming over. And there's Mary, no doubt, nervous, wondering what's he going to think? Is he going to believe me? Joseph could tell, I have no doubt, instantly something is wrong. He sees the fear and the nervousness on her face. She has something to tell him. And then she tells him, I am with child. Joseph would be stunned, hurt, distraught, absolutely confused. How could this happen? 
He knew Mary. He trusted her. But all of a sudden, what he had been planning is now changed. We see amazing character in Joseph when he received this news. It really is incredible if you think about it. What we know based on his reaction that we're going to get into, that he left, he thought about it. He decided once he, once he took some time to just, to just to get away, just to think, he decided, okay, I'm, I'm going to divorce. I'm going to put her, put her away, though, privily. I'm not going to make this a spectacle on her. He had a right to do it. He still had a right even to remarry if he did this. He had a just cause. He's going to do this privately. He doesn't want to execute some type of vengeance or make a public example. Even though this isn't sin, isn't it amazing sometimes, you know, in our circles where that can take place, where it comes more about vengeance and trying to hurt as much as you can? He doesn't want to hurt her, even in this. Again, they're both probably, Mary is more than likely in her mid-teens, Joseph is more than likely in his late teens. Let me cover now the notion that Joseph was an elderly man. If you grew up Catholic, you know that Joseph, what they like to say is Joseph was about 93 years old when he married Mary. I'm not kidding you. That he died at the age of 111 when Jesus was 18 years of age. Yeah, it was pretty common in that day to have men in their mid-90s marrying 15-year-olds. Happened all the time. No, it didn't. If you simply do a little bit of research, what was common for that time frame would be any man from approximately the age 18 to usually at the most 30. Between 18 and 30, usually between 18 to 22, 23 years old, would marry a girl somewhere between 14 and 16 at this time in Jewish culture in the first century. That's what would take place. By the way, the average lifespan wasn't 111. It wasn't 100. It wasn't 95. It wasn't 90. It wasn't 85. It wasn't 75. It wasn't 70. The average lifespan in Israel in the first century was 63 years of age at best. Top 63. By the way, the source document for that, nonsense, that he was about 93 years old when they married, which is ludicrous. It's a lie. Comes from a document written uh, about 600 years after this event. 600 years. Complete nonsense. Well, why do they do that? Because they want to maintain the... That, that Mary continued to be a virgin all of her life. There's no truth in that whatsoever. Our text even tells us she did not remain a virgin. The very last verse. And he knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son. It even directly tells us she did not remain a virgin. But that's a side note. Besides the fact he was a carpenter, pretty good to find a 95-year-old or 100-year-old carpenter that at 102 then would have walked to Jerusalem from Galilee and back again at 102 and had no problems with it whatsoever. I am, how old am I? I'm 52, yeah, I'm 52. 
I can't even walk to the gas station down the road and back. Back to the main thought here. So Joseph takes some time apart, he thinks about it, and he decides to put her away privily. It's during this time that God sends an angel to him. The Lord sends an angel to him as we read, and he lets know, listen, Mary has been faithful. What is up here is of the Lord. You can take her to be your wife. This is right. This child is Emmanuel, God with us. This is the Christ, the one who will save the people from their sins. And Joseph obeys the Lord and does just that. What I want to look at this morning is how Joseph responded, and Mary for that matter, to this divine disruption that took place in their life. The truth is we need to know how to respond when life doesn't go as expected. When you have things planned out, you have it mapped out, you know the course you're going to take, and all of a sudden a phone call comes, an event takes place, and it completely changes your plans. It's during those times when James chapter 4 and, 4 and verse 14 ring true. Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. This morning, I want to look at those times of those divine disruptions, those times when life does not go as planned. To try and give us help on how we are to respond to those events. I'm sure we all have different examples when they happen. I think the first major event in my life that was not how I planned, it was when I was 23 years of age. It's 1993, I'm in the Air Force, um, things are going great. At the time, I am on staff, already on paid staff at a church, even though I'm, in, even, even though I'm still in the Air Force at the time. Um, I was the youth director at the church, um, in charge of many ministries, still preaching in the nursing home in the afternoons. I was also head of junior church, so I went from the youth to junior church to uh, the nursing home, all in the same, within four hours of each other. But very active in it, just waiting to be able to separate and stay there on staff at the church was the plan. Had it all planned out. Going to stay there at Berean Baptist. And then near the November, I'm, I'm, of course, I'm married at the time. I have two small children, Daniel and Heather, about at this time three and two years old. And Marianne is now expecting Rachel. She'll, he'll be born, she'll be born that June. And so I had the day off on a Friday morning. I just graduated leadership school and... You know, everything's going great. And then I'm at home about 9.30, 10 in the morning. My boss calls me up and tells me I have to come in. I just got an assignment. And, uh, and I, I, thought he was, I thought he was just playing a joke. We always did practical jokes. Uh, you know, that was very common. I thought he was just joking with me. And I said, I'm not coming. It's my day off. And he goes, no, really, you have to come in. And I said, where am I going? And he said, you're going to Korea. And then I, and truly, I did not believe him. I always joked when we were, we always talked in the military, I always talked where you want to go, where you don't want to go. And Korea was one place. And now, that's, I, I just don't want to go there. I'd never been there, but I had no desire to go there. And I said, I don't want to go there. And he said, no, you're going to Korea. And I'm like, no, he goes, I'm serious. You need to come in. 
And so I head in, and, and we meet over by, over by uh, uh, my office, and sure enough, there's this rip sheet there, and I have orders to Kunsan Air Base in South Korea. Just could not believe it. This is not what I planned. This is not the direction I saw my life going. And by the way, I did not handle it correctly. All of a sudden, I, I, you know, I was, I was worried about it. I didn't like it. I didn't see God in it. Um, I, re, I refused to see God. I, I was, certainly wasn't happy about it. The joy was gone. This is not what I planned. And so I even went on a course to try and change it. Whatever I could do, get out of the Air Force. Stop paying me. I'm done. This is, this. So I had a miserable next, it was probably about six months before I left, if I remember. Oh, no, about eight months before I left. Sometimes those disruptions are not as grand as what I just described. Sometimes just something throughout your day. Sometimes you have your day all planned out, but then all of a sudden something takes place and it changes it. Those times happen. I can think of those times, uh, a time coming to mind right now. Levi was, much. we just got back. It was the fall of uh, 2015, might have been 2016. And we were all excited. We're planning for a hunting trip. One of his first ones, so he, and, and, and he loves hunting. I mean, he couldn't wait even then. And so he's all, he is really excited about it. And he's, what, he is 11 years old at the time. And I'm excited for him to go out. We actually had to head over to the Jordans for dinner that night, at, uh, Brother Jordan's house for dinner. And when we were at the dinner, I got a phone call. And I knew from the phone call, it changed my plans. I would not be able to go. I knew something had come up with, uh, with the church, and I knew I'm not going to be able to go on this trip. It had changed. Plans had changed. It's important how we handle those times uh, when something takes place that changes life how you thought it would happen. Everything can change, we all know, in a moment. Perhaps it's a call from a doctor that all of a sudden completely changed your world. Maybe something from a family member Something happens at work, but all of a sudden things change. It's not how you planned it. Things appear to be going great. I got this set. I know it's going to happen. And then all of a sudden an event takes place or something happens and everything has changed. Listen, as we go through life, there'll be time and time again when you think you have it all figured out, when God steps in and changes it. I think we need to learn from Joseph how to handle those divine disruptions in our life. I would have loved to have heard this sermon back around October of 1993. So now, I want to try and give you three things here of what we see of how Joseph handled this. And, and to some degree, we'll include in here Mary as well. She handled it just as well as Joseph. First off, Joseph handled this disruption, this change, with amazing grace. Look at verse number 19. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. Think about Joseph here. He finds himself in a shameful, difficult situation. 
Yet the grace he shows is incredible. Here's what we can learn from this. He gets hit with this news. You get hit with the news, it changes your plans. Joseph did not allow the circumstances, what we see here in his reaction, not to change his disposition. It did not. It didn't change how he treated others. It did not. He stayed the same. This, this news isn't just minor news right here. He's having to deal with this. He could have let his flesh take over immediately, got mad, got bitter, just thinking of himself. This was not how I planned it. This was not my plans. How can this be? But even in this, he's actually thinking of her. I don't know how many times when dealing with people in situations, whether it's couples or whatnot, um, I, I can think of, uh, of a time here going back three or four years and trying to, trying to deal with somebody and, and had a hurt in the marriage, but he could not, just could not get attention off of himself. And I'm just trying, no, you've got to see it from this point of view. It's not always about your needs. Joseph, though, when he hears this, still shows such grace in the situation. And that grace enabled him to act and not react. I mean, he's heard that she's pregnant. I, I think he went out and wept. I think the guy just went out and wept. But grace enabled him to act and not react. Too often, because we're not set, we're not ready for it. When those, when those events hit, we react instead of acting. The key is this. Look what it says in verse 20. This is before the Lord came to him. But while he thought on these things, he took time to think it through. He said, you know what? I just need to think right now. What a great move. What a great move. He took time to think it through. Before responding, he took time to think. He didn't react. He stepped back and thought, what's the right thing to do? He didn't act out of the emotion of the situation. He wanted to respond with faith and reason. I remember, I think I've, I've told this before, I, 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 even though I've never done Alaska, I really enjoy golfing. And as a teenager, got into it a lot. My grandfather was the first one to ever take me golfing. I was like 12 years old or something like that. So he'd come pick me up and, and, and golf. And by the time I was 16, 17, just golfing a lot with my cousins and friends. And we had our, several of our uncles would go as well. And my one uncle, Uncle Pete, he was the most enjoyable to go golfing with. Very emotional. He's the guy, when the Browns or Ohio State's losing, look out. There's going to be a hole in a wall somewhere in the house. So we'd go golfing. One day we were golfing with him, and he was, he was playing really bad. And it's bad when your nephews are crushing you and we're teenagers. And so we're playing golf, and he just hit. We're about halfway through. He hits another bad shot, and he just takes the club, snaps it in half, and takes his entire golf ball and throws it in the woods and leaves and just walks off. And that's reacting in emotion. That's not acting and thinking it through. 
But too often when something hits us, we tend to react instead of taking time to step back. Let me think this through. Get to a place of self-control. In your marriage, perhaps one day things don't go as planned. Boy, it's so important that you don't allow the emotion of the situation to take over. And you learn to act instead of reacting. Where you can act based on a principle in life instead of reacting based on the emotion that you're feeling in the moment. The majority of the time that we respond by reacting to situations, many, many times it leads to an overreaction of what is taking place. It's important to maintain a clear level head for yourself and for decisions you might need to make that are very important. I remember when we had a sweet Christian brother when I was over in New Guinea. He he since went to be with the Lord. His name was Jacob. Short little guy, just loved God. He was the fellow where I've given the illustration out many times before in the Bible college. He had, he had the, what we call a kaibar, his little food stand that he would, he would sell food from. And he was going to put his hand up one day in Bible college. I was teaching on following Christ. And he, he was going through the Bible college. And, and he had said, does this mean I need to sell my business and follow the Lord? And it was him. And I told him, no, that, you just gotta, I said, that's, that's between you and the Lord, not, not between me. But it was something he was willing to do. And anyhow, I've mentioned many times that how dangerous it would be with the banana boats between the two coasts. Since I've left, they've actually really shored that up, put a lot of safety things in place. But when you left, there's no, there's no cell phones, there's no radios to call anybody. If something happens, something happens. That's it. And so he was coming back one day, coming back from New Britain to New Ireland. And again, if water's good, it's about just simply about a two-hour boat ride, and it's just beautiful. Whales and dolphins, you see so much on it. But when the ocean goes bad there, it's, it's scary. Well, they were overweighted. And they're coming back, and they got in. The, the seas turned rough pretty quick. Sunk the boat. There was a lot of them on it. And so now they're floating in the ocean. There was a wooden pallet that was keeping them all afloat. So they're all around the wooden pallet and holding on, hoping for another boat. That's, that what you wait for is another boat crossing, making that trip, going back and forth, that they can see you. I mean, it's a big ocean, but you're hoping that they can see you, uh, and somebody can see you. And so they're hoping that another boat will, will come by and see them. But they've been in the ocean for hours, and they're on the wooden pallet, just floating in the ocean. And one of them lost it emotionally and started panicking. Now, everybody in that small group was now in great danger. He literally said, started jumping on the backs of other people. And then he was trying to get up on top of the pallet, which would not have worked. And they're trying to throw him down. And they knew that, that his reaction to the situation was putting everybody in danger. To the point, the group literally had to think about getting away from him. Entirely. Regardless of what that meant in face of that dire situation. His reaction based on emotion was putting others in danger. Listen, when you're hit with things, it's so important that you do Joseph's example, what he did, he said, you know what, I I have to think. Let me think this through. And although it doesn't say it at all, I I personally believe he, he would have been praying at this time. We see here also, I believe, Joseph's true, genuine love for Mary. 
I believe it's displayed best when this disruption hits. Where he still doesn't want to hurt her. I'll put her away privately. I'm not going to bring, I don't want to bring shame and reproach upon this. Even though he was hurt. And I do believe that. True love is best displayed when pressure is on. It's always important to respond with grace when those disruptions happen or things get messy. Number two. Joseph responded with grace. By that, he, you know, he controlled his emotions. He wasn't looking for vengeance or revenge. He maintained some self-control. He took some time back to think it through. Secondly, he had faith to follow. He would follow what the Lord asked of him. Look at verse 24. The Lord has come to Joseph has told them, no, you can take Mary to be your wife. Verse 24, after he hears this word, then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him and took unto him his wife. He had faith to follow here. The Lord, again, sent the angel to Joseph, let him know what was taking place. Upon Joseph hearing the instructions of the angel, he obeys it and he, and he marries her Uh, And he marries Mary. Joseph understood that following the Lord's uh, direction here would not be easy. It was going to be difficult. They both would be accused of things they knew were not true. They can't go and tell everyone what is really happening. Are they going to believe them? They're not. Nobody's going to believe that. I mean, if they go out and start telling people, no, 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 she's still a virgin. This is all done right. Nobody's going to believe that. And they know it. There's going to be shame on them, reproach on them. All that's going to take place. For Joseph to do this, it took a measure of faith to follow. Joseph and Mary both would be mocked. Joseph definitely mocked for, for, for still taking her to be his wife and, and not putting her away. One thing you're going to find out when you follow the Lord, there's going to be critics. There's going to be critics. That's going to happen. They'll do everything they can to criticize. It goes with following the Lord. Boy, if you let that bother you too much, boy, you have to look out. You're going to find out very quickly you cannot serve God and the critics. And when you're following the Lord, those critics are going to come out. You'll be obedient to the Lord and you follow Him. Don't live to please the critics. There are times when God's divine disruptions are hard to follow, where it takes faith. This is where Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 come in, when you're not leaning unto your own understanding. Even when you can't see it, you don't understand what's happening and why it's happening, you're still, I'm going to trust the Lord and still follow Him. The truth is in life, when things actually and genuinely go bad, is not with these disruptions. It's when you decide to allow those disruptions to no longer follow the Lord, life's going to get bad. Remember when Jesus had let the disciples know about the cross and Peter actually rebukes him. This wasn't how Peter saw it playing out. He was expecting the kingdom, not a cross. God's direction is always right. Don't try and straighten out or you're going to correct God's leading. Let the Lord control. 
Listen, it's not easy getting that call from a doctor about a sickness or you know, some major life-changing news. All of a sudden, a police officer calls you in the middle of the night. I mean, many of you have been in those situations, and it's important how you respond when life changes things. I, think, I can't help but think of Daniel and Sharon. Daniel coming home one afternoon, and his wife wasn't there. Wasn't home. Still not back from the store. Still not back, waiting and waiting. Getting more worried. And then, sure enough, with concerns growing, all of a sudden, a state trooper shows up at the house to confirm your life has completely changed, that she is gone. And looking back on it now, these years later, Imagine had he decided just to get mad at God. Just get angry. How often do we do to get mad at God and blame him for this sin-cursed earth when he shows us grace and mercy and long-suffering every single day? And then yet we can even have the audacity, because again, we can be so self-centered that we want to actually blame the Creator. But he's the one we should be running to. He's the answer, not the problem. But had he made the decision, I'm done with serving God. I grew up on the mission field serving him. I've been giving him everything. And now this, I'm done. I wonder where he'd be right now. I wonder how, well, Ethan and Enoch would be doing. You've got to have the faith still to follow when those times hit. I knew a man in, in uh, New Guinea, just one of the sweetest Christian men, incredibly intelligent, highly educated. He, was, he lived on the island of Kokopo. And became pastors of one of the, to me, there's a couple of really, really good sound churches there that I used to just enjoy and go visiting. They, they had been established for many years, and as a missionary with your mission works, and to, to get apart and get into an established church would always just be such a great service. To hear all the people singing out, and it was, it was a relief, and he had pastored one of them. He had a child born, healthy, doing well, but then as an infant, came down with cerebral malaria. It's devastating. I mean, any malaria is, but there's nothing worse than cerebral malaria, if you survive it. Well, his child survived it, and usually if, usually if you survive cerebral malaria, there's a very large percentage that you will not come out of that sickness normal. His child did not. Uh, we had a member even of our church in, in the work in uh, Kudu Kudu going through the same thing. Child would be mentally retarded now the rest of his life. It would never walk. Would never walk. 
he handled that situation with such grace. No bitterness. You never saw the joy of the Lord gone. When that cerebral malaria hit, and sometimes you can tell when it's cerebral malaria. Uh, and not always. Sometimes you tell, usually, it's, usually it almost starts with the person going unconscious. And that's just where the malaria, it's a protozoa. You just get in your bloodstream. What it does is they, they all gather at the base of the brain. And many times you don't even know they're sick until literally the person goes unconscious. And, and it hits. Many, and it's when they wake up, they're never the same again. But he handled that so well. That was a divine disruption. That was something that came like they never planned on. He had his life planned out. This is the way it's going to go. And that changed everything. Yet he still had the faith to follow. It's not easy getting that call from a doctor and you know, wait, this isn't how we saw things planned out. You've got to follow with grace. You've got to have the faith to follow. And then lastly, you've got to have faith for the fear that comes. You've got to have faith for the fear. You've got to be able to trust God in those fearful moments. I have news for you. Joseph and Mary, when they got married, they had some fearful moments. They did. I mean, from, from all of a sudden, the, 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 the king's decree, when she's last trimester, ready to go, you have to head to Bethlehem. We're doing a census. Head back to your hometown. You've got to leave Nazareth. You've got to head down to Bethlehem. David was, um, and they both were through different family lines, both were actually of the line of David. So they have to head down to Bethlehem. Think about when she did go into labor. There, there, there was no place for them to stay. Lord, what are you doing? Fearful moments would hit. Could you just... I don't know if it's me. I am now panicking when there's no place. And she's going into labor. I mean, I panic in the hospital with all the nurses around. I'm done. Or all of a sudden they find out the king wants their child dead. Head to Egypt. You think that could have produced some fearful moments? It could have. So many times when those moments when life changes, when that, when that curveball comes, many times fear can come with it. And we follow their example throughout. They simply trusted God throughout all those fearful moments. And maybe you're here right now, you're even facing some of those fearful moments right now when life is throwing you a curveball. It hasn't went how you have planned it. Listen, you maintain your way before the Lord. You stay close to Him. You trust in Him. Listen, there's times when people come before me in counseling, and I know they're facing incredibly fearful moments. There's times I don't even know what to say, how to help. I, there's times I would love just to be able to say some words and make it all better. And there's times I sit there knowing it's just not possible. They're going to have to go through this. That's what's going to have to happen. They're going to have to go through this. You maintain that relationship with God. Trusting him one day, all will be made right and all will be made clear. See, the day came, we can talk about Job. I won't go into the events of his life, but the, the day came when Job understood. That day, that day arrived. Job chapter 42. 
By the way, it, it got to the place, you think, of all the moments he came through and all that he went through. It gets to the place of those who were the critics that were mocking him, that the Lord turned his cap, turned everything around for him. It's interesting when it says at what point he did that, when he prayed for his friends. When he prayed for him. We want to be able to say as Job did, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Knowing God is good, trusting in him. And many times God allows these disruptions, if you will, for different reasons, those life-changing events to happen. Sometimes it's to protect us. Sometimes the direction you think your life is going to go, the Lord needs to protect you from yourself. And so he has to intervene, and in his grace and in his mercy, he allows something to take place to intervene from the course of action you have taken for life. Sometimes it's simply to produce your will. It's not, that, it's not necessarily that the course is, has taken you off place, but there's events he's going to allow to take place to strengthen you, to help you, to further you along right in the middle of God's will. The other Joseph could explain a lot of that to us if he was here right now in the Old Testament. There are times that God brings about these events to chasten us. That he knows, no. He knows there's something I can't allow anymore. I can't allow it anymore. And he brings in the event. The great thing is about that, almost all the time he still does it with a measure of mercy. So as we follow Joseph, we see he handled the situation with such grace when it hit. He did not react. He acted. He took time to think it through, not allowing emotion to hit. When, 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 that, when the news came with what happened, he thought it through. And then he still had the faith to follow God through it. And both of them had such faith for the fear that would be involved with that they were facing. Listen, it's important how we handle those divine disruptions to maintain that grace, to do what's right, to allow the Lord to use it in our life in a great way. Because listen, life is all about Him. So when that call comes, you determine ahead of time, listen, I, all right, I need to step back and think things through. I need to maintain my own way before God. I need to trust him in this. Don't listen to the thoughts that come hitting where the devil's attacking your mind at the same time. At the same time, you stay faithful to God. You have the faith still to follow. And when those times that the fear comes in, you maintain the faith still to follow. Again, boldness is not the absence of fear. It's not letting the fear direct your decision. It's important how you handle those times. With heads, bow, with heads bowed and eyes closed.